I mean, we were just sitting back, you know, <laughs> chopping it up, reminiscing about the good old days and all that. <laughs> you know, tracking my roots, where I came from and where I'm going. But like I say, man, always said it. It's not about the destination. It's all about the journey. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. Seedless watermelon. <laughs> all right. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about three different topics. It's not the show's not going to be centered around just one topic like we normally do. Yeah, we're kind of doing a little take. We like to talk about different things from time to time. And this one, we just kind of been paying attention to, you know, tons of online social media conversations. And so today we're going to hint at some things we've been seeing viral. A lot of these quotes that we see going around all the time. Mm. Yeah. Now, it, it's it's definitely going to be topics that relate to money and finance. You know, yeah. we're not we're not talking about, you know, the latest gossip of some of your favorite celebrities. I will and can at any time. I love pop culture. Well, He's I, not a big fan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. I don't really care too much about that stuff. But if but, we want to talk about who Lori Harvey is dating, then give me a call. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So, what's the first topic that we are going to talk about? Stuff like this happens a lot. Um, we all have been on social media, and we see these quotes that get you know sent to everybody, or you just get something in your timeline, and it's like, oh, you know some matter of fact quote that you'll see um, or some type of um, theme that's playing out online right now. And Mm. some of them spark great conversation and they're interesting. And it is like, hey, I never thought about that. And then some of them are like, okay, this is a bit much. Or, you know, what is this really saying? Okay. So, um, so what's the quote? (laughs) (laughs) So the first one I kind of want to talk about, and I guess this is something that's like, grinding my gears so to speak okay um is this whole idea around black girls and luxury all right um i think it does do a like a further conversation around black folks and luxury okay but the narrative or what a lot of conversation has been around is this quote of saying let's normalize black girls and luxury normalize black girls having nice things um so that is what I want to discuss. Okay. So, all right. So, when it comes to black people and luxury, what is it what is it exactly that is on your mind when it comes to this particular thing? What what is what exactly is it? Um, so, uh, what what's kind of been going around is this energy about um black women feeling like, you know, certain black women specifically, but black women feeling like um they can't have nice things, whether it be luxury items, All right. uh, like designer items, things like that, that cost a large amount or go on vacations or do different things. And that somehow they're judged for it worse okay. than other groups, ethnically speaking, racially speaking. Um, it's often assumed that they got it through ill-gotten gains or that they got it through um, something that is less than scrupulous, less than positive. Okay. Or, or they got it illegally or it's not real. Okay. So... I mean, are we still on that whole thing of just like what they they stole it or something? Is that what you're implying? That's one of the things that's implied. Like I said, it's multiple things. Uh They stole it. Some guy bought it for them. Um, They wouldn't be able to afford it without someone else. Like there's always this um, additional narrative around why they got it versus like, hey, I like this item. I saw it. I went to the store and bought it. Um, 
if they've gotten it, they're not paying their bills properly or they're missing, you know, you spent your rent check on you whatever it is you have money. because it can't just be that I like this thing. I have this thing. I can afford to have this thing. And so I own it. Okay. So whether that's true before, before we get into that a little bit, whether that's true or not, I guess what, the question I would have is, and this might sound like a silly question, but why does it bother you? Um, because we hear all the time people say, well, you shouldn't care what other people think. Mm-hmm. And people say things like, well, you know, I don't care what anyone else thinks or whatever. And that's easy for me to say right now at this point in my life. I really don't care. Like, I'm not going to say I don't care what anyone thinks because I don't think that that's true of anyone. Mm-hmm. I think that you care what a certain subset of people think. And that's usually confined to your friends and your family and other people that you value. Some people. Um. Okay. But yeah. I, I, I think, again... I think that, you know, I think that that's most people um, at a certain age group. Um, maybe when you're younger, you charter, you sort of expand those people that you care what they have to say. Um, but again, I think that's most people, in my opinion, that that's most people when you get older, you care less about what people outside of that particular group mm-hmm. thinks. But getting back to the point here, um, you know, I hear that a lot. So mm-hmm. the question is... If someone thinks that, all right, you're you're rocking a Louis bag, right? You got Mm -hmm. the Louis bag on your arm or whatever it is. And a group of people, regardless of what their, you know, ethnicity or racial makeup is, has a, you know, they're they're giving you the side eye like, you know, you can't afford that or you know, you can't buy that or, you know, you live, you living in the same neighborhood I'm living in. Mm-hmm. And I know you really can't afford better yet the same job even. Yes. And I know you can't afford that based on what we're being paid. Uh-huh. Um first question is why why does that bother you in particular? Okay, so the reason why, and I want to go back a little bit to what you talked about when you had this you say you stated that, you know, we care less about people people care about is the people that care. That to me is very nice when it doesn't travel anywhere. Okay. So the problem with um, having the narrative in your head or letting the narrative go unchecked about black girls and luxury is that it travels to multiple places past just your friends and family. Right. When it is a normalized I- impact or effect that black women can't afford certain things, that narrative goes to other groups outside of us. All right. We get treated differently in stores as a result of it. If I come in as an African-American woman, regardless of how I'm dressed, and I'm saying specifically like whether I'm in urban wear or I'm in a suit and tie, it shouldn't be assumed that I can't afford the product in the store. Mm-hmm. When we normalize those things in our culture, even amongst our own selves, we allow for that narrative to travel outside of our culture. Um, I hate to... I, I'll say this. I, I saw Will Smith once talk about this when he was doing the movie Ali. Right. And he was talking about how much of black culture is obviously... And he wasn't the first person to say this or the last. We've all talked about how black culture is really American culture in terms of like... Black people are lit. We make, you know what I'm saying, a lot of the social culture, you know, that's what it is, is comes from things that we create. And oftentimes, what's exported is our culture and most of the negative. And so he remembers going to this small village in Africa. Africa's a continent, mind you, huge. He's in this small village in this country, and he only saw the images that the country, that the people had of us mm-hmm. in this small village of like the more negative aspects of rap. Mm-hmm. because that was exported by America. That that culture is exported. That's what people see mostly, and that's what America sometimes extracts from us. 
and then they export that to the world. And that's what the people got from us that look like us. And it's not, Africa's a continent, I get that. I'm not, we have tons of different narratives around Africa about black culture or African-American culture specifically. But my point is that when those narratives go unchecked and they travel, they affect you in other places and spaces. People assume you shouldn't be able to afford this car. You shouldn't be living in this community because how did you get here? Right. And that can affect how you're treated by the police and others. So I do think that it's, great to say that hey it should only matter what my friends think of me because it's not going to affect me what other people think of me but unfortunately for a lot of people of color it does oh right and for black folks it does so that's that's my yeah sort of conversation around that in relationship to um what was now well i mean well well the so the solution to that particular problem well well, no it's not we'll talk about that later But the next thing is, I guess for me, is, all right, so how did we get to that point of looking at, because if we're being honest, mm-hmm. all right, it, it's it, a lot of black people look at other black people side-eyed. And that's why I said in that example I gave you, yeah. regardless of, of, of race, mm-hmm. if someone gives you a side-eye for having an expensive Louis bag or Chanel bag yes. or whatever it is, you know, how did it actually get there? How do how did it get to the point where we're looking at people differently based on you know race or, or ethnic makeup? I mean, this is a tough conversation. I don't know that we want to get super deep into it because we mm. kind of know it didn't start with us, right? Right. So we already know that we were treated as less than, and then we were told that we didn't deserve, right? So as far and I want to speak specifically to African American people. I'm that's my only experience, but I do know that there are other black folks around the diaspora who have also experienced this and other people of other ethnicities and nationalities who have experienced this as well. Mm. But um, in relationship to that, we were always told that we were less than and that we weren't deserving of. So when you think of things that spawned out of black folks working really hard or figuring out the cheat code, so to speak, about how to gain some economic wealth, a black Wall Street or something like that, then those things were burned down. Okay. And they was like, okay, you're, we can always take this away or this is something that you don't, you're not deserving of. How did these people become self-sufficient and have their own community bustling and hustling? And there are tons of Black Wall Street. It wasn't just in Tulsa. So um, those communities were terrorized and, you know, sort of robbed of that um, wealthy energy or spirit because people knew that they could diminish that. They could make you feel like, you know, you hadn't gained anything or you're not wealthy of, worthy of gaining those things. So I think okay. that that origin is far deeper than us. Right. But I think we, we like a lot of things in our culture, sometimes we basically took that in. Mm-hmm. And we like repeated the same, we parodied a lot of the things that um, were ignorantly sometimes that were, talk, that were told to us. So we would say things like, oh, how you afford those sneakers? Okay. Or how did you get the so-and-so? Oh, he got the new so-and-so. I bet you had to steal that. Like That narrative is just, it got parroted within our um, self-esteem and in our community. That's and then true, we just repeated but, it over and but over. It, but is there something to be said about someone's personal experience? Like sometimes, you know, when I was growing up, Okay, I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where everybody was driving. First of all, not everybody had a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to take the, you know, growing up in New York, a car was a was a luxury for a lot of people. And not um, necessarily a necessity. New York right. is a unique experience. Right, it's a, it's a unique experience. A right, who never owned one, right. We have good transportation, um, yeah. But a lot of the time, I would, we would see guys driving by in, a, in like a Lexus, right? And they're blasting the music, getting attention and everything else. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people used to say was, you know, because they would drive by like they was, you know, the ish. Right. 
And a lot of guys will say out loud, and I remember it clear as day. A lot of guys will be like, hey, yo, you can lease that, you know. And that's not necessarily untrue. You can go lease a car. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean it's but yours. But the assumption right. was that they, you, you, right. that the guy didn't own it or that if he did own it, what? Right. Okay. But in that sense, but leasing is legal. So it's not necessarily, it's still looking down upon someone who's, you know, who doesn't own the car versus lease it. But in the that assumption sense. is that he leased it. But right. But in that, but again, he didn't, he, but he didn't get it illegally is what I'm saying. Leasing okay, the car. Okay. Take out the legal part. But okay. Why, but you why mentioned illegal earlier. That's why I mentioned. Well, I'm talking about you asked the different ways in which it's seen. But right. I'm saying that, okay, your experience shaped that, but you're saying that it is shaped. The assumption was that the guy that they saw, mm-hmm. it was illegal. Well, it wasn't illegal, but it was leased, meaning that right. he couldn't he, just pay for he it. Or he didn't just, buy it. Right. Or he exactly. wasn't approved for a loan and then just driving it and doing it like any other car situation. Right. He had to lease that nice looking car. Correct. He okay. had to, he leased it or whatever it is. So, you know, I, I guess the point is, is that, you know, some some of our personal experiences shape that. But does it make it right? Uh, no, it doesn't make it right. I, yeah. I, I mean, we're still. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of you know how we got there. Not not. Let me not say the bottom because, like you said, there's so many different ways and there's so many different things and factors that go into this. Yes. But in particular, you know, sometimes it's your it's experience that you had when you were growing up. And we talked and, about this, right? We talked about the fact that there's. A lot of times based on socioeconomics in the U.S. again, right. I can only speak to the fact that, you know, multiple times you normally haven't seen our population, specifically African-Americans, be at the higher economic rung. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you have a lot of people who they've only known, you know, being working class or poor or middle class at best. Right. Mm-hmm. So the upper middle class has been a, a varied, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not surrounded like around that, and we also talked about like generational situations. So our grandparents and parents, there were some people who that was their lineage going that far back that they've always had money. Mm-hmm. But then like for many people, they're the first person in our generation and a little bit of before our generation to um, graduate from college, right? To have an opportunity to make more money than their parents made. Um, sometimes by solely by themselves with their parents may combined over, uh, you know, a lifetime. So like, the economics allows them entry into other spaces and places where they're able to purchase things that are a little bit more expensive. And I think because that hasn't been the norm with as many folks, when you don't see it regularly, like you said, when you don't see it on average, the assumption is that normally when you have seen it, it's been through people who have gotten it through some type of illegal situation. Right. It's the drug dealer that has the nice money. We've talked about and we just watched the, the doc on FX right. about a lot of the guys who got into drug dealing. There was a, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like based on a lot of people that financed some of hip hop that were drug yeah. dealers and helped out a lot of like bigger artists today. That was a great um, show, by the way. It really is. People should watch this series. I think six episodes. Yeah, it's six episodes. I but wish we would have got more, but it was good. It's really good because it, it really highlights the thing we always hear rappers talk about and we always hear other individuals talk about, which is that what made them want to get into the drug game, what made them want to get into the rap game was seeing the biggest drug dealer on their block with the nicest cars, Mm -hmm. with the nicest stuff. So if your vision has always been, you either wait till your taxes come in, Mm -hmm. you wait till your, maybe in this area, your stimulus check come in, or you wait until, you know, somebody in your family's doing something illegal, you hit the lotto and that's when everybody gets nice things, then that's, then you don't ever see anything different from that. 
it never occurs to you that, oh, this can happen if I just worked really hard. I'm not in a whole lot of debt. Um, even if I am, I guess you could still priority wise get it. Hmm. But it's just like, oh, I couldn't just walk in the store and get the Louis or the Gucci because I can literally afford it. But more so because, um, and we're not endorsing any designer brands, please believe. Um, <laughs> I can walk into the nicer store and get these items because I worked really hard for it. It's like, oh, I had to be doing something or oh, getting something. That okay, wasn't so the so have you had an experience? So so have you had this experience that you're talking about? Have you had? Have you ever went out and bought a luxury item, Chanel bag, uh, whatever it is? Okay. It could be, I mean, for some, for someone like me, a luxury item would be the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Okay. Right? The $1,000, the $1,100 iPhone. Ooh, somebody fancy? No, I don't have it. Let's make that clear. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go out and buy it or anything like that, but I'm just saying that would be a luxury item for me. Yeah. So have and you And we're talking a, about items right now. Cause I want right. to, I want to put this in a larger context before we end this, this part of the conversation, because I don't want to make it seem like normalizing luxury at least to me is defined differently than just the financial gets of like a design or something but i get mm -hmm. where you're going with it right um so for you it would be the iphone it would be the iphone so if i went out and bought it mm -hmm. um certain people would make assumptions that oh you know i don't have or they would say things like oh okay it, he probably he's probably he probably financed it mm -hmm. or that I wonder what he's paying each month for it. Like mm -hmm. instead of me just paying cash, which is something I always endorse on this show. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, my experience has been one with travel. Okay. Like one of the, the second or third times, I think maybe second time I went out of the country. Um, when I told people where we were going, um, and I didn't tell a bunch of people, my sister was going with me. So, mm -hmm. you know, folks knew. And then my mom and my dad were like, you know, Telling people like, oh, so-and-so is going out of town. So when they um, would have that conversation and stuff, you would hear people say like, oh, you oh, you got money. Oh, it's because <laughs> you don't have, you know, it's because you don't have kids. Oh, you got so-and-so. Or, um, you know, oh, this is fancy. And I'm like, really? Oh, oh you, you just touched a nerve for me. Because, okay. Because, uh, no, 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 no. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But yeah. I, I used to get that all the time. Yeah. You know, people would say little snide comments you know, if I have the, if I come to work with the iPhone 12 Pro Max, mm -hmm. you know, people will say, I, I had a coworker that did that to me all the time. Yeah. And, you know, would say, well, you have nothing to worry about, so you can do all of that. And I'm like, well, it, after a while, it just became like, look, dude, it ain't, you know, your life situation ain't my fault. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, but, I mean, the point fault. is, and we're not no, talking no, no, about no, it in a, in yeah. a context. I think the point is that, you know, if you showed up for me, that experience, like if, if I've said I've been somewhere, if I've traveled mm. and I haven't been everywhere, mm. but the assumption is that, oh, like, are you not getting something paid? Are you not paying bills? Yeah. Because that people, you got credit card. You debt. get the little snide or, remarks on or, the end. Yeah, or yeah. You, you know, I wonder how much them payments yeah. going to be each month. Or, you know, oh, you rich, rich. Now, let me be careful. I say those things sometimes too, jokingly with my friends. People mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm not sure that I do that often mm -hmm. um, because I don't want them to feel insecure about whatever it is they're show, you know, showing or have. But what I do want to say this, a while back online, I was, you know, this whole normalized thing was going on and I was in a discussion with a couple of young ladies, quite a few actually. And one of the things that I know that for me, it hasn't manifested because it hasn't been something that's like a um, expensive bag or shoes or anything mm -hmm. or clothes, but um a lot of young women, especially young black women, were talking about the fact that they don't wear certain things to work. 
because they're asked more frequently than their other co-workers. One young lady mentioned that she had gotten a Chanel bag from her boyfriend for her birthday. And, um, you know, knock, knock, we all would love one of those. Um, and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and so she was mentioning that and, um, you know, Chanel bags run around 3000 plus. Mm. Um, and she mentioned that one of her other coworkers got an expensive bag. I don't think it was Chanel, but it might've been something else. Right. She was not African American and she was, besides people telling her the bag was nice. They never asked her anything about the economics or how can you afford it? Mm. And she wore her bag maybe like a couple of months later and she got multiple conversations about that. Even her boss jokingly made a joke that they think they're paying her too much. Right. And it was yeah. one of those things where, like, have they ever felt that? And when she said that the floodgates opened, there were a lot of black women that said they don't wear certain shoes to work. They don't wear certain outfits to work because they don't want to be questioned about, you know, what they're wearing, what they have on, um, and if they could afford it or what right. did they not miss. So for me, again, like, it was, it could be travel in certain situations. For you, it could be tech. Right. Um, and it can be different things for different people. And for some people, it is luxury items as far as like a car or whatever. I know a young lady, she drove her uh, car. She's not even younger. She's actually an older black woman who does like a corporate videos on TikTok. Mm-hmm. She mentioned when she first got her like biggest promotion, she went out and bought herself a nice car. Right. And she drove it to work like the first two or three days. And it was like a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And she got so many comments that weren't positive. Mm-hmm. Um that she stopped driving it and she drove her old car. And so mm. she only drove it on the weekends for a long time. Um, she only drove it on the weekends or whatever. Because even though people say, oh, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter, you get tired of that. Right. Um, and it also throws you off that people are saying what is more negative than positive about something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. that makes that's joyful for you. So um, that's kind of been my experience around that. I mean, for me, it hasn't because I'm not, I'm not really a flashy guy. Okay. And that's that's just who I am. That's not, mm. you know, me trying to prove some sort of point here. You know, I don't the flashy is. Yeah, I'm not the flash. I don't I don't I don't own any jewelry. I don't you know, it's just not my thing. It isn't for but me. But is that flashy or is it just not your style? Well, it just it I'll just say this. Because I think flashy implies that that person somehow is more flashy. What if I just like jewelry and that's how I adorn myself? Why does it have to be flashy? Because you don't like wearing jewelry. Well, no, it's not. Fla- I, I see it as flashy because, well, jewelry is something that you show. You don't. Well, I mean, that's what, how it's what, worn. well, yes, that's how it's worn. It's worn to be shown. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it's when I say flashy, what I'm talking about is you're purposely it's it's part of it's there for show. But you see how a, your your connotation of it is just more so based on the actual utility of it. Uh-huh. The majority of times when you hear flashy, it's not in the utility of jewelry. It's meant to signify that you are being, um, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing the word correctly, but you're being ostentatious, you're being showy, mm-hmm. that you're not doing it for internal purposes, that you're doing it because you want people to know you can't afford it. So even though you're using flashy, and this is what I talked about when I say subconsciously, sometimes in our community, we put out those narratives. Flashy to you is like, hey, that's how jewelry's worn. It's worn on the outside. And so a lot of times it's shiny and it's gold and it's metals and that's what it looks like. But when you're saying flashy about somebody else, not saying you, just saying that most people use it in a negative format. They use it to say flashy as in showy. You're trying to show it off. 
if earrings are worn on my ears and your ears are pierced and they would be sitting on my ears, that's just how earrings are worn. Right. But somebody else saying flashy is like, oh, you're being flashy because you're driving your Mercedes to work. This is the car I own and I have to get to work by car. Right. But there's somebody else that's saying, oh, you're flashy because you have to drive their Mercedes to work. It's the only car I have. Okay. Well. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, you're not saying it that way, but right. I'm saying that this is what I'm talking about in terms of like language and when the, the normalization of this would make it less right problematic. Right. Okay. But, you know, for me, you know, I use, like, we talked about this on other episodes. You know, I used to, before I was meal prepping, you know. Thanks to me. Okay. I take but, that credit all the time. Because he used to hate on me all the time about meal prepping 24-7. Okay. Why are you making that credit all the time? That makes but, no sense. But you know, when I was buying lunch every day, you know, one of my old Richie co- Rich. one See? of my old coworkers, look at me doing it. <laughs> one of my old coworkers would walk by the desk, and you know, he would make comments about how I have money because I'm able to go out and buy lunch every day. Chipotle, yeah, Chipotle, Chipotle. yeah, yeah, you know, Chipotle <laughs> or whatever it is that I or I would go to Panera Bread too. That was another place That's that I true. that I liked. But because I bought lunch every day. You know, that that meant that I had money and that I had all this money that, you know, money to burn and everything else and, and and yada, yada. And for some people, I can understand why they would think that, because if you have if you buy lunch, you know, around there, it's probably about 10 bucks for lunch to buy something okay. for lunch. So, you know, and you both say around that price. Yeah. And if you do the math, I mean, you're looking at two hundred dollars a month pretty much on lunch okay you know most people don't have that kind of disposable well let me not say most but a lot of people don't have that kind of disposable income mm-hmm. so they would assume for just lunch right yeah. for just lunch they would assume that okay if somebody like me is doing that then that must mean that i eat i have money or what would happen is is they would say things like well you could do that because you don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. You don't have, you know, you don't have a whole family to feed and all that other stuff. They would say that to but me. But I want to wrap this into just the difference of experience, what we kind of talked about right. as what could be more important about the underlying part of it. And where can we go to sort of solve this so that we're not running into these issues? I think the primary thing is one, we have to get to a place to understand that everybody's choices are different. Mm-hmm. And that where you don't know where somebody else is, I would say, um, being cheap, mm-hmm. um, where somebody else is being cheap in their life. So what I mean by that is I've, we've had multiple discussions around this before. Um, although you did eat out lunch every day, you're not the type of person that do a lot of online shopping. Mm-hmm. You're not a very frivolous spender when it comes to a bunch of stuff right. that most people are. So the affordability for you to be able to do that is based on the fact that you save in other places. Right, exactly. And this goes to like, you know, how the interest of what you do makes a huge difference. Like, and we talked about like your hobby may not be my hobby. Exactly. So for instance, you know, your thing might be, look, I love a great meal. I love going to great restaurants all the time. I love eating out. Right. But as a result, maybe you're not a person that like buys new clothes all the time exactly and so you have the money available at the end of the month or for the month to be able to afford to do that you like taking luxury trips um it might be your thing or just travel period it doesn't have to be luxury travel but maybe that's what you enjoy in your life but in another area of life you're very financially conservative and so 
I think part of it is not assuming you know a person's whole story when you see them with something. Mm-hmm. The person that has a new Mercedes, you don't know like the past 10 years they've been driving that bucket and they haven't had a car note for six of those years. So as a result, they're able, they were saving up money for the day that they could get their Mercedes. Then at the same time, you know, kismet, luck, they got hit with a promotion or a bonus that gave them the additional funds they needed and now they can afford their Mercedes. Right. But you don't know my story. You don't know you know, what I've been through or what my situation allows me to do. Sometimes it's just based on marriage. We, mm-hmm. I'm married to somebody, we got due household income. And because of that, you know, I don't have to pay as much as I did towards a mortgage or a bill, you know, without me. So I think that that's the point is the part of the normalization of that is going to be about how we talk to each other about it, how mm-hmm. we cha- challenge our own biases and opinions, and also how we... Um, you know, sort of see each other uh, in that way. I just want to touch on something real quick before we close it up. Um, I want to read this. This is from uh, Tanika B um, on Instagram. And I wanted to, she, to me, highlighted what I feel like mm-hmm. normalizing black girl luxury really means totally. Um, she said that when we say normalize black girl, black women in luxury, we're not merely talking about designer bags or consuming mass amounts of designer clothes. We are talking about a slate, a state of leisure, a level of comfort and and extravagant living. We are talking about a colorful life, a life of abundance with well-made sheets and beautiful scents and eating high quality food, being intentional, easy and carefree love. We're talking about everyday dalliances, taking care of our skin and our well-being. We are talking about rest and respite. Self-indulgence and putting our needs, our ideas, and our lives and our love first. We're talking about black women moving with a level of grace and opulence, whether the outfit is from the thrift store or Paris. We are talking about having beautiful views and beautiful candles and beautiful baths and beautiful words. We're talking about normalizing, normalizing black women in spaces you thought were only reserved for others. We're saying that you need to readjust your eyes, increase your imagination, and let go of your stereotypes and see that the barriers we cross to get here. That our presence is not nefarious, that we did not go into financial ruin for momentary internet fame. This is a lifestyle. We don't compromise our values and that is what we value. That we choose every day to be at whatever kind of luxurious state of our our life allows. And the most radical thing we can do as black women is always nothing at all. All right. So you mentioned earlier about travel, and that's you know the whole travel being part of someone's hobby. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment. You know the mm-hmm. whole travel thing. And I'm gonna get my reading together because you know I'm good on it and everything, but I don't know if my little I tried to you know do Tanika's uh, quote well, but I think that that's important to just you know don't assume. And you know black girls, we got it like that. We're out here working hard, doing stuff. Black folks in general and. Don't assume that when you see somebody with something nice, they haven't worked really hard to get it. Or maybe it's been with super ease to get it, but really it's none of your damn business. Pretty much. Hey guys, it's Tamika. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to catch us every week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Breaker. All right, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Al. And I'm Tamika. Okay, so <laughs> this is Z-less Z-less Okay, and we are talking travel. Okay, so travel, and this is something about. Look, I don't have anything against travel. He travel does. is a travel's a good thing. You he know, it it, op- it opens. Hours. Well, that's me personally. I don't look. I like travel. I don't like travel. 
So if that what? makes sense. What? How is that? Look, I like, look, this is what I mean. When you go places or whatever, like let's say you're going to, I don't know, the Bahamas, right? Okay. You take the, fl- I don't like the, f- I don't like the traveling of it. I don't like. You like travel, but you don't like the travel. I like, I like the Bahamas. Okay. I like the hotels and the resorts and all the things to do. So you don't like the transport I don't, part. exactly. Okay. So I don't, you know, I don't like that. You know, that's my own little yogiism. And I yeah. love, <laughs> I don't love it, but I like it when it's good, when it's good transport. But I get mm. what you're saying. Especially yeah, if it's I, I don't, you know, I, I mean, seriously, how many people do you know that travel actually enjoy going to the, like sitting in line at the airports and waiting for baggage check? Let's be honest. I mean, I mean, I'm corny like that. You know that but i'm i'm the person that i like the event of it all he doesn't he wants the event okay. i like the event of it all because the same thing with like um the movies mm. you're like i don't care about the trailers let's just get to the I film sure and i'm more i love the no whole trailers. experience of like going to the movies the seating the popcorn i love this environment of watching this in thx with all those other people right that's fun he that's doesn't great. care about any of that i don't care about them i don't care about the the trailers. i love the trailer because uh, you don't know what's i mean i don't know like i like the whole trailers was coming up you, uh, you we just definitely look at these experiences differently but that's the reason why we're different all right so. all right so but, but getting back to the travel thing for you know i think travel is a great thing Especially, it opens your mind up to different things and how different people live, and some and any you know, events and things that people do for leisure that you might not have ever thought about or even tried before. Mm. And now all of a sudden, you enjoy it and things. Okay. Here's the part about travel that I don't like. And we want to say that the reason that we're talking about this is, again, the viralness of this topic. The viralness of the there topic, There was a right. young lady that posted, and I've seen this on multiple pages, so it's not just one, but there is sort of an online narrative running around right now about either a person saying this or saying that what's a non-negotiable for them in a relationship or dating, and it's been whether or not that person travels. Um, and there have been women and men quoted as saying that I can't date somebody if they don't have a passport, which I think is completely ridiculous. And that's the thing with the with the. And here's my problem with you know these these people, especially people who go on social media and they uh, and they like to you know to travel the photos, and that's fine. Okay, I understand that you you like to show where you went and have fun, and that's great. But I think that for a lot of these travel folks, you know, these avid travel people. I think that there is an element of pretentiousness that they're not willing to admit. Mm. So they'll they'll they go to all of these. They go to twenty something countries, right? Different countries. Okay. And that's all fine. I'm not not hating on the fact that you travel often, but there's this this idea, this element to it that they have to, you know, make sure that everyone knows everywhere they've been, mm. and they're sort of comparing their you know, their travel experiences. It's almost like a competition. Let me show you my passport. Yeah, let me show you my passport and all the places I've been and all the, and all the stamps and everything as if it's some sort of status symbol or some sort of, of, of measurement to say that I'm more open-minded and, you know, I'm more adventurous than you Hell are. Hell yeah, I've been to India and Dubai. Yeah, I've been to all these different places. Now, mind you, a person who 
travels for business regularly, a consultant or something may travel all the time. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've had a chance to actually absorb where they've been at. No, my mom was one of those people. Right, exactly. The company pays for your transportation to get there. They pay for the time you need to stay there to do the work and you bring your behind home. Um, unless yeah. you go, unless you gonna pay for it. Some people, some people do. <laughs> some now people do that. Do that. They add the yeah, travel pe- onto the trip. Yeah, some yeah. people do that. So you know, let's, let's let's be let's be clear. But I think that there's that element to it that I don't like. So you feel like a lot of times when you see people who maybe if you go to their Instagram page or Facebook or whatever, they will have like multiple pictures of like travel and they'll maybe have these unique shots or these extreme shots where they're like hanging on to an elephant or they're doing something whatever <laughs> you feel like a lot of times is that really about you loving travel more than about validation on the web right exactly of okay. validation and you know you you know some people ask me you know why why did i leave facebook or anything like that i said because it, it started becoming this this sort of e-high school thing Mm. Where people start comparing, you know, they don't really care about me. They just want to see where I ended up in life and they want to compare their lives to mine. This is true about social media to a certain extent. And, you know, and that's what I feel like some of the travel community does. It's a way of comparing their lives to everyone else's and saying, look, you know, look at look at this is what successful people do Mm. is we take vacations and we live it up. We live it up. We 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 don't work. We well, successful people don't work hard, which is what we'll get into. And you know, we'll, that's okay. going to be another topic we discuss later. But there's this idea that successful people don't work hard, and may, and boy oh boy, do they play hard all the time. I just yacht and rest. It's it's yacht it. exactly. Yacht flying private jets and look at me on top of the whatever that building is in Dubai. That's all the way up to the sky. Oh, the yeah, yeah, right. you know, look at me and look at. Every Everything that I do and, and look at, you know, if we're being honest, he went up Dubai think, three times. Well, that means we going to Dubai. Go ahead. <laughs> Ain't Dubai for rich people? No. Anyway, no? Okay. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, you that know, means we're going to Dubai. I guess. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that if we're being honest, there's a element, that's the ugly side of it mm. to me. At least. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. but I mean, I definitely don't feel the way you feel. But, (laughs) I mean, I... uh, So, I feel a little bit... uh, I I feel where you're coming from. Right. I definitely understand what you mean about people feeling like it's a status symbol. Right. When you travel. Um, And sometimes people doing extreme things to get that. So, we know about photography that gets done in these places. Or folks are taking pictures of themselves in these, like, exotic places. A lot of times, they're the... Same places. Mm -hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, like, I'm a part of the Wonderless folks. Right. I'm a little bit of a travel nomad person. I don't think I do it for those reasons. Right. I know for me, it's like a cultural enrichment thing. Um, And, you know, just like a personal aspiration. Um, Because I don't always mention, you know, when I'm traveling with people. Mm -hmm. One, I think is dangerous. And it is not smart. If you are traveling, (laughs) you shouldn't be telling everybody online that you're going out of the country unless you want to come back to an empty home. I can't help but laugh. So I don't think it's smart to travel. We we all um, seen Deliverance. And so I don't... Seen, well, not just that. I mean, like people <laughs> people literally got robbed because they told people they were going yeah, out of town. I know. So you know you want to be careful about you know mentioning anything that you're doing until you come back anyway. But I also think um, for many people, you know, it it's a personal experience. But I do want to talk about like some of the reality based part of it. So 
one, you know, travel has been more accessible to um, more economic classes than it's ever been before. And yes. so the reality is that more people are traveling and not necessarily trying to show off, but they're just going more places because it's more accessible. I know in not in our generation, but certainly my parents' generation, that wasn't something that was as common. My parents got to travel, but, you know, my parents grew up in working class, you know what I'm saying, poor situations. So it was like, you know, you went to your cousin's in house in South Carolina yeah. or North Carolina. That's the, the most that was traveling for you. Maybe somebody went to California or Florida, but that was a pretty big deal. Um, and you got joined the military like my dad. You know what I'm saying? You may have had the experience to go a couple of places, but normally, no, you didn't get to go a bunch of places. It wasn't until their adulthood that they were able to do more. And then eventually my mom at some point, you know, traveled a million places. But my point is that... Um, it wasn't as accessible for most people uh, in America, regardless of race or um, race and, and mainly based on socioeconomic class. Mm -hmm. So as travel opened up, it became less expensive for most Americans. We all started being able to go more places. And that's opened up even further when you think about budget airlines and all these different things now where you can get... You know, God bless anybody who wants to keep riding spirit. But um, <laughs> if you can get a $100 ticket... Or whatever, and you can ride on budget airlines. And a lot of countries, those budget airlines were common till now. It's just now coming to America. You know, Europe and other places, budget airlines have been around for a long time. You could go to Ireland and Paris. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it'd be like within a couple of hours, it was a normality. So um, I think that's a huge reason why you see more people traveling. And people take pictures of what they do and post it on social media. That's just the reality. No, that, and that's fine. And I'm not fighting, I'm not right. fighting anything you're just saying. I'm just saying that there, those are other reasons as to why we see more of that. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that there are people who are definitely challenging them. And certainly this narrative about I don't want to date anybody with a passport bothers me. Without a passport. Um, yeah, without a passport, right. I'm sorry. Because it just speaks to a level of ignorance that comes with, one, assuming that somebody's not culturally um, diverse because they have not traveled. We've all seen and met people who go to these other countries and act their ass out and don't have any sort of cooth or class about them when they're in a, a, somebody else's home country. And that has everything to do with, like, manners and being, you know, like, a good person yeah, and so and understanding yeah. cultural differences right. whether or not you have the passport so if we're equating a person's character to their traveling or their ability to be more socially aware or more culturally aware cultural awareness awareness has less to do with the fact that you were on another continent right or on at another country it has more to do with how you treat people in general culturally and how sensitive you are to that i also think that um it bothers me because I don't want to make this about race, but I will say that trending wise, African-Americans in general, we just have had a tough time with travel. Mm -hmm. we, even within our own country, within the U.S., if you're African-American, like we know th about things like the Green Book. We couldn't even go to like sundown towns and places where when we did want to travel, we know about beaches. And if you don't, you should certainly take yourself over to the African-American Museum in D.C. or do some online research. You know that there are places that African-Americans sometimes had to create their own towns and beaches. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that be in Martha's Vineyard and you have something like um, the Inkwell or you have something like... Um, you know, the beaches that existed in Maryland, like Highland Beach, where even we couldn't vacation within our own country and state. We right. had to create those small spaces. So um, I think there's a celebra celebration about the fact that we can travel more. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't enjoy the fact that we're now discriminated amongst each other about not having a passport. Right. Um, I want to at least tell my story as to why I got one. I went to my mom's 
uh, I don't want to throw my mama age out there. Well, my mama not old. She looks amazing for her age. I was, so my mom was turning 60 mm-hmm. and we threw her a luncheon, a birthday luncheon. And a lot of her girlfriends came and they're various ages, but most of them are, you know, around her age or so. And I knew one or two of the women had been a lot of places. They were like my mom. They had traveled multiple places. They had, you know, were blessed enough to have a, a good career and, and have the career that, you know, supported them with the financial um, element that was a positive thing for them. Um, but there were quite a few women at the table that had the money, didn't have the money. Um, one of the, we did like this question thing around the table and we left questions and everybody answered them and they gave their answer out loud. Mm. One of the questions was, where's some place that you've traveled? And the second one was, where would you love to travel? Now, mind you, a lot of these women were in their sixties and you know, as you age, although you can be a traveling person, I've met folks like that. A lot of times as you get older, you slow down on a lot of the things that you were doing. Some people, some people, they rev up. They never change or any of that. Bless those people. Mm. Um, A lot of the women, when they went around, the places that they wanted to go to, it was heartbreaking because I was thinking, how are they going to get there? They weren't saying like, oh, I got a trip planned. I want to do that. It's like, I always wanted to go. And it's one of those things like, hey, people are going there now. Do you know that? Right. And you could tell that there was it was more of an unfulfilled wish than it was something that, that may never get fulfilled. Um, and it was heartbreaking because it was a different generation, but it also spoke to the fact that um, I didn't want to be that person at the table in 20, 30, 40 years saying like, you know, I wish I had gone here. Yeah. So it was important to me to like tap into that. I had already done, you know, a lot of um, regional and national travel, but I was like, I want to do international stuff too. So I don't want to be that person regretting that I didn't take the trip. Right. So that's where it came from. And I think people fall into those categories, but they also fall into yours. I think tying that to a relationship is stupid. Yeah, it's incredibly stupid. Because, you know, (laughs) having your passport is obviously a great form of identification. But why could you not simply meet a person if they didn't have a passport? If travel is a big part of your life, mention that up front. Right. Um, And like you you said this earlier. Yeah, just get a get. Go ahead. Just what? It takes what? Um, a couple of pictures and an app. You go to the post office and get a passport. But that's, you mentioned mentioning it up front, like saying like this is a priority. Oh, oh yeah, me. this is a priority. Yeah, mention that up front. And if the person is willing to say, yeah, you know, I want to travel, perhaps there's a number of reasons why they may not have the passport. Yeah. So that's something that you should discuss. You shouldn't just write somebody off because, oh, they don't have a passport. That's ridiculous. That's like saying, well... Um, you don't have any money in your 401k, so you're, you know, you're not serious about saving money yes. or you're not serious about retirement. That's, that's nonsense. So find out the story. Right. Find out the story. Exactly. And in that way, you're not tying something, that parameter to it. And then also, um, you know, does their, your energy for traveling, to tra- you know, match right. completely. There are people who do hard relationships who do solo travel. Um, as long as you're, you know, partner supportive for it. There are people in marriage that do solo travel. I found out one of my bosses um him and his wife they do take individual trips like maybe a couple every couple of years because they like different activities yeah and he does like oh she does white water rafting uh-huh. he does like some <laughs> mountain biking situation yeah. so there's like a weekend thing that happens it's not ever really far far away but mm. it, like he likes she does a mountain bike yeah and he does a white water raft so he's going with like one trip with her and he's like i'm good yeah I'm good. and they can afford to do this and so what they do is they take small trips mm. um like every couple of years something will come up that he wants to do and he'll go yeah exactly. and then the same thing with her she'll go mm. um 
you know, you behave, you don't disrespect your relationship, any of that kind of stuff. But it's the interest he have. It's right. It's, interest. it's different interests. Um, and it's okay. That's what makes the relationship fun and varied. But as a result, um, you know, they travel, they travel separately from time to time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned earlier about like what made you get a passport. Yeah. Um, what made me get a passport? Um, work. <laughs> that can be it too. Um, I didn't want a situation where um, where they would ask me to go on assignment and I didn't have the passport, and mm. then it would. And as we talked about earlier, you know, opportunity sometimes presents, you know, itself. presents itself, and you don't want to miss out on opportunity because you don't have something as simple as a passport. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're not hard to get. Um, I mean, unless you have some other issues going on, like yeah. you know, the, the, you know, we're not going to talk about that. But, um, but find out. Don't but, assume that you can't. Right. Don't assume yeah. you can't do it. You know, go out there get. But and I think I personally, I encourage people to get the passport. I do too. I definitely think it's something you should get. Um, you know, I don't. It's, this is on a little a little dark here, but um, one of my teachers when I was in. Uh, and junior high school said, you know, get a passport. Back in the day when I was young, I'm oh, not a kid gosh, anymore. Yeah. But some days I still wish I was a kid again. Okay, I'm done. I'll always break out his song. He joins me now. He's acting hey. bougie. Oh. <laughs> but she said that, you know, get a passport because you never know when you have to leave the country. Um, so <laughs> get a was your teacher around <laughs> for, <laughs> let me stop. <laughs> you never know when you have to leave the country. So... Um, but no, it, uh, that doesn't have to always mean a bad thing if you think about it. Yeah. Like we mentioned with work, you know, they may say, hey, you know, we got this grand opportunity for you. These people in another in, in our office in London, they really want to work with you, mm-hmm. you know, based on some of the work you've done. This would be a good opportunity to expose yourself to some people that, you know, in our London office that are higher ups. They really want to work with you and you have to pass that opportunity because you don't have a passport. Mm. That would suck. <laughs> so again, it's very reasons, but you should. I think the narrative, and I think that's what we're coming to, is that judging somebody based on them not having a passport is absolutely ridiculous in terms of relationships. You do have to have the discussion about travel. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a, it's a, if it's like anything else, if it's really important to you in the relationship, or if you're starting out, but just saying you wouldn't date somebody. There's all these other qualities to a mate that have nothing to do with the travel element that are far more important. I think over time than that and you can maybe talk somebody into it like i know people who don't have it because they don't like flying they're afraid of you know flying but they've never been on a plane but they got used to it over time mm-hmm. but you know the the boyfriend was willing to go like yeah. uh, try to check to see or the girlfriend was willing to go the, i saw a girl online she was um with her boyfriend it was his first flight he was shaking like nervous yeah but he had never been on a plane before they weren't even going out of the country they were just going to another state and he, he had never traveled. He had, didn't come from a family that had a lot of money. They had never really gone a lot of places. Most places they went by car or bus. Mm-hmm. Um, train travel is very over, uh, is very overlooked and shouldn't be because it's kind of amazing. Um, but he had never really gone a lot of places. And she was like, hey, we could get to here in this amount of time. We should fly. But he was just nervous to fly. So that's why he had not gone. Um, so find out what somebody's travel fears are. Find out if it's an economic situation. Like you said, don't try to make people feel bad about not traveling. Right. And I, I'm gonna we're gonna touch on this probably in another episode, but I do wanna talk about just briefly part of what you discussed mm-hmm. about like the passport flashing. Something else I think is important to have discussions around, and again, this is probably a whole other topic you could branch into. Um, and one of the viral things 
just touching on with travel is just about luxury travel versus not luxury travel. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other show. But definitely, I see a lot of people saying that their friends can't travel with them or whatever because they like to do certain things or they want and they don't want to diminish what they got to do for this person. Mm. If you have, at least for me, this is my personal thing, and I had a discussion with somebody this weekend about this. If you have a varied amount of friends, meaning that either you either you need to find somebody in your friend group that matches your economics and what you want to do, but if you're trying to do a girl's trip or you're trying to do a trip with your friends, you need to make that trip affordable for everyone. Yes. And and don't be the person complaining. And I'm speaking mostly to women because I don't find that this happens with men as much. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't have it happen, but I talked to one of my coworkers. He traveled with his homeboys quite a few times and they seem to understand it. One thing I know that men don't care about as much and it does vary men to man to man is they do not care about accommodations. As long <laughs> as he said that they've been on multiple trips, his, him and his friends do different things. One's a chef. He works for the... He's a, uh, he works in government. Somebody else works and does something else. Um, one's a teacher. They just have varied occupations. One like, you know, was like an assistant manager at a gym. So they make varied income. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, when we, they've gone from thing, everything from CIAA to events to all kinds of other stuff. He said, they just really work it out to make sense. He said, as long as they're not staying in like a rat motel, yeah. Um, you know, the betting situation doesn't bother them as much. You know, they're not on this whole crazy thing. It's like, yo, men just want to like get there and go. And then like, you know, we'll figure it out, the meal situation and all of that. Now they fall into the same traps that some of the women do, but he did mention that he finds that girls trips tend to be the most um, problematic when you don't have a set of people that are thinking about it for everybody mm-hmm. they tend to think around okay yo we can't go to every expensive restaurant because pd don't make that much right but in situations sometimes women don't think about the diversity in that and i do think it's important that when you go on girls trips the ones i've seen be the least successful my advice would be one if you're going and you want it to be successful make it affordable to most people mm-hmm. give your girlfriends an ahead of time schedule and i know i've seen people talk about how they will give their friends six months or a year and some people will still drop out at the last minute mm-hmm. be prepared to deal with that what a lot of me and my girlfriends do sometimes is that we have a stop hold date so and i may be saying this wrong but we have a date where if you're going to go on a girl's trip, you have a certain date where your money's due. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pull out by that date, if you've already paid, you don't get your money back. Yeah. So it's not a situation where you can change up the economics for everybody in the group because you decided not to go. Um, the only time that I think that that ever happens is if there's a death in the family. Yeah. That we say like, okay, you got to stay. But other than that, the rule is, hey, if we said in January we're going on this trip and May your first payment is due... And after you've made your first payment in July, you say you can't go mm. um, and you just dropped out for most from other reason, your money stays. Yeah. Because we have to be able to work out the, we given six months, you know what I'm saying? It's whatever, five, six months or whatever to figure that out. But make sure it's affordable to everybody. Have a date or a deadline or suspense date or when, you know, money's not going to be paid back anymore. Um, and don't get married to the itinerary as a group of friends, especially mm-hmm. if it's like women or men, and it's over a certain amount, y'all don't all have to do everything together the whole time. Um, you know, there could be, and it's, don't make somebody else's vacation. Um, and I will say, this is not for couples as much, but this is more so for groups of friends and varied people. Sometimes everybody's not even a friend in the group. It could just be somebody else's friend. Um, the way that you kind of don't have as much controversy is to not force everybody to the itinerary. 
So if you and another friend came up with the ideas of what to do, or it's a lot of different things, if somebody doesn't want to do one of the events, okay. It's okay for that person to do something else. And it's certainly okay for them to sit something out. People's vacation feels differently to them. Maybe I really did come to the Bahamas to rest and relax. And my biggest thing was getting on that island and sipping on a Mai Tai. Mm. And your biggest thing was, um, you know, wanting to go do four or five activities in the water. And that's just not my thing. Come together for the dinners, come together for the important things and let people have their vacation. So, yep. All right, y'all. Coming up next, um, we're going to talk about the uh, situation where we have people that don't necessarily believe in working hard. hard. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be back, you guys. What's up, y'all? This is Al. Don't forget to check us out on SeedlessWatermelonShow.com. And don't forget to follow us on IG, Seedless Watermelon Podcast. Okay, and we're back and we're... Talking about our last viral topic. Thank you if you are here for this segment. That means that you stuck it out with us and felt like we were worth listening to. (laughs) Um, I know we go on some different rants. and I mean, viral topics shows are always my favorite because we kind of just free flow and talk about, you know, what just comes to our mind. Yeah. So um, you brought up a quote. Um, that you said you saw online. It ain't really a quote. I had a little conversation with somebody. I follow quite a few financial folks online. And and, and I will say that the financial space um, is becoming very diverse and we love it. It's allowing us in it. Mm-hmm. But you also have few people that are joining up in the financial space. And hey, everybody's allowed to be there. But I'm finding a lot of financial gurus and experts. And we always tell you we're not experts. Right. We're just giving our personal opinion. We are not financial advisors. We're not hedge fund managers or any of those things. You should definitely talk to a financial planner or a certified financial planner if you have questions or deeper questions than what we're offering. We're just giving our personal experience and our personal opinion. But quite a few people are uh, showing up online and in Clubhouse as financial experts. And so one of the recent uh, quotes came from a young lady's page and she stated, I don't know who needs to hear this, but hard work in the second job ain't going to get you there. Wow. Wow. Okay, so... um... I guess by her estimation, if I if I understand what she's saying, you know, if you're somebody out there that's working right now and you got a second job and we talked about this on our other shows about getting out of debt, um, getting a second job or having that side hustle might help get to your goal. But according to this particular lady, um, that's not necessarily true. Well, I guess what she's saying in all fairness is that you won't be what wealthy or you will never be wealthy having a, 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 a second job and working hard. Is that what she's trying to say? Yeah, I think it's along the lines of um, if you have a second if you have a second job that, well, well, working hard in a second job ain't going to get you there. I, I'm assuming, and I, I think she did clarify it, that basically, um, you know, those two things alone, which we don't disagree with. Right. But I think that with these quotes, the concern for me is always a lot of, a lot of younger people mm-hmm. who are just now getting out into the world. And we're not super old, but, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, that their life is social media. You know, their world is that. Some of these online quotes, these online gurus, these online um, experts, experts, <laughs> um, you know, will start 
throwing out information in quotes that don't have any um, context. And so if you're scrolling past and you see that, you're like, yeah, that's why I don't believe in working hard. Like that's how I really, I think you can't overdo it. There was also a young man who um, had a video where he said, and we've kind of talked about this too. He said, you know, don't do more than you need to for your job. Right. And he gave a bunch of reasons. If they ask you to work late, don't work late. Um, tell them no. If they ask you to take on an additional project, say no. Right. If they ask you to do so-and-so, say no. And his thing was don't overwork yourself for these jobs because they will replace you. Exactly. And, you know, how how that plays out. Because a lot of times, again, if context isn't given, it can make a huge difference on how those things um, well, get seen by people. Well, I mean, for me, when, when hard work is discussed, the thing that bothers me most of the time, especially on the internet or on these uh you know these social media networks or whatever the thing that bothers me the most is that when people talk down about working hard is that they never really seem to contextualize it um so i mean yeah it may not if you're working some job or whatever that some job that's paying you minimum wage you know working there working hard there may or may not necessarily get you um you know to where you want to be but you know if you're somebody that's aspiring to be some to be great at something your hard work is part of it i don't you know even if you i don't care how talented you are you're going to have to work hard at something at some point if you ask me i mean if you think about it like if we take it and look at it in the lens of sports um Take someone immensely talented as LeBron James, very talented, one of generational talent. Okay, he's a different basketball player at this point in his career than he was coming into the league or out of straight out of high school. As talented as he is, he still had to work hard on his game to become one of the best players of all time. All right. You don't, and and that's what I mean when I see a lot of these quotes of, well, you know, when I hear someone say, well, hard work isn't going to get you there. I mean, that's sort of what bothers me about it is that they, again, they don't put it into that context of, okay, what hard work in what way? And that's the thing that bothers me. Now, you said earlier that there's this energy around, um, you know, being this entrepreneur or whatever it is, this, this, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur that you're failing at life or you're failing at something. And that's another, I guess, one of my pet peeves of social media is that. Well, every- I didn't say that. That was a, yeah, yeah. that was a narrative around that was a- it. That can be one of the things that people definitely take away from her quote. Right. Like if you're not, it, it's not good enough. And I want to, before we go on an entrepreneur topic, I want to highlight that I did disagree with this. Um, and she made a subsequent video following up, so I don't. And I didn't mention the name, so it doesn't matter, you know, who said it. But I think that what bothered me most is that I know that people go online and look for inspiration for things. Yes. And you know, one of the things that, from my own personal experience, it's still not perfectly out of. You know, I still got student loans, but my <laughs> thing was like, uh, but my one of my things about um, the whole hard work and a second job won't get you there if you cut it off, like you said, without context, you know. I always think of my own experience. I, that's that exact thing is what helped me get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Like the credit card debt that I had and stuff was hard work in the second exactly. job. Exactly. I had here. multiple hustles. Same here. If I could have braided the, hair, same <laughs> trust here. me, I would have braided hair. Same here. So, um, 
you know, having, you know, you hustled your ass off. I worked overtime at my real, you know what I'm saying, full-time gig. And then I also, you know, delivered groceries. Yeah. I did secret shopping. I, uh, you never could add up to that money to get me out of debt faster. And when you think about it, um, many people are taking on that mindset. Now, I do believe that, yes, you don't drive yourself to death. Right. And I think generationally we were taught that that's what you do. You work really hard. And that doesn't automatically equate to success or to financial success or wealth right. building. So I do think that we have to get we have to unlearn some of the 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 the, um, the information that was sort of given to us from prior generations about that. Because one, things have changed tremendously in the type of jobs we have. Things have changed about how work works, not just from us experiencing this pandemic and working from home, but that people switch. Uh, companies a lot more than they used to. Yeah. Back in the day, you worked at one place, you retired from that one place, maybe two places, but you weren't a person that jumped around. And if you jumped around, you were seen as not a good person to yeah, be working. Exactly. And now that's not as common. And certainly in certain economic spaces, that's never the case. They actually want to see that you've had diversity and experience that you've been multiple places. They're more concerned with if you've been stagnant in the same, yeah, in the same, place. same place. So, um, you know, that's something that I think when we talk about that context, we don't bring into the fact that like those those two things can add up to stuff. I think working hard and having a second job can get you um, into getting capital for that business you really want to start. Maybe mm -hmm. your finances for your regular job only cover your living needs. And maybe by you working that second job for a little bit, you can build up the $500, $600 you need to do to start that online store or to start your business and get cards and get a website and get all those things going and pay for the taxes and other things that will come up that you didn't realize would happen because you have a second gig. Mm, mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, like we mentioned earlier, putting things into, into context, I never see it online. And like, and you mentioned earlier, getting out of debt, I did the same thing. You know, I had, you know, side gigs. Um, you know, I was a security guard. I worked in a warehouse. So, yes, working hard was a direct result of, of getting helping me get out of debt. And then that freed up more money to do some things that, you know, that I could do. So um, and that helped you know, or invest in myself, which we talked about in our last um, not our last episode, but one of our previous episodes. So um, but this whole entrepreneur thing um, to me, look, I like I like the idea of people being entrepreneurs. But I feel like there's this attitude of, well, if you're not an entrepreneur, then you're somehow stupid for working a job or you're somehow dumb for having a job, you know, when you could be uh, doing whatever it is that you're doing at your job, you should be doing that, you know, in your own company or so in your you, own business. You feel or like whatever. there's a backlash right, right now there's a backlash when you hear these it. quotes about you know, um, hard work or working for somebody and not paying yourself or all kinds of stuff are coming around. You feel like it's a backlash against hard work. Right. It, 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 it sort of is. And against being form like traditionally employed. Right. Which it, is a different... Yeah. And yeah. like I said, I have nothing against being an entrepreneur. You want to start your own business or even if you want to go off and, you know, you're a lawyer, for example, and you want to go and start your own private practice. Great. Wonderful. But you're not better than another lawyer or another person for that matter because that's the route you decided to go. Mm. That doesn't make a lawyer stupid because he decides that he wants to or she wants to continue to work at, you know, at a private at some at a different practice. Do you feel like there is some validity in 
and I think we've talked about this before, I do think that I understand where she's coming from if she's talking specifically about the fact that those two things combined alone. Mm-hmm. Because I do think it's about, and she did go on to further say like the context of it is also about your financial mindset. Right. But I think that that's imperative when you are making these little quick quotes. And it can, you can add a quick line in there, but it's about your financial mindset that will make a difference in whether or not, you know, we're both learning. We're both getting our financial lives together. I'm hoping everybody else is doing the same or working towards that goal or wanting to have that financial freedom and so that you can do the things that you want and you have your money do the things that you want to do for you. Um, but leaving those elements out, I think it just shapes people's mind to think like, oh, having a job is for suckers <laughs> yeah, or having that, you know, that if hard, that work, that, that if you're working for your, if you jumping into like the entrepreneurial space, if you're working for yourself, that it isn't hard work. If you're an entrepreneur, you work harder than probably the person that is working for someone else. Yep. Because in that position, normally there are other people handling other things. I'm not also doing accounting. You know what I'm saying? I stay in my lane as to what I do. When you have, when you work for yourself, you can farm everything out, but that costs that money. That costs money. So initially, there may be things that you can and can't take on, or there may be things that you have to take on. You become the shipping person. You become the the um, the customer service person. You know, um, I was watching, a, um, a, I don't know if people have been seeing this show, The Bell Collective on OWN, that's on right now. One of the young women, a lot of people heard her story. She was the first woman to put like weave into the vending machines in the malls. Mm-hmm. She like found out she was selling hair like a lot of young ladies do. Um, a lot of people do. And she had a genius idea to put weave into the a vending machine so that when her store was closed, people could get the bundles without bothering her because she didn't have an ability to do that. And there was enough space to do that. And it became successful. And the mall was so impressed by her. They asked her to put the machines in, other, in their other sections because her machine was one of the things that people like would go into the mall first thing when it opened and go to. And, um, she mentioned that when she first started, she was doing hair out of her apartment. She was doing installs out of her apartment and she was her own customer service person. And her, her primary thing that she wanted for her business was to have great customer service. Mm-hmm. So she was available anytime and she was at Jackson state in school. And so she was answering the phone at two in the morning yeah. because people would call her at any time that were trying to get that was trying to get hair and she did not want to be known for bad customer service. Imagine that and you're trying to finish school, you're starting and, what and you're doing. And that's only the customer service. Service part. There's all these other elements. Do you have the money to pay an accountant? You probably should put that to the side. If, but let's say you don't and tax time comes. Yeah. You're you're besides you and TurboTax is sitting down together trying to figure this trying out. Trying to figure it out. If somebody sues you, I hope you got money for lawyers because, you know, that's gonna be an issue. So I don't, you know, it, it, it's just, you there's know, work involved. In yes. There's a lot of work, right. A lot you of know, work. a lot of work in it. So don't buy into this fantasy land idea that you see of people online. You know, it's not all of them again, but you see some people online, you know, talking a big game, a really good game about how, oh, I'm an entrepreneur and I, I set my, I come to work when I feel like it. Yeah. I set my own hours. You're working for somebody else. Now there's a joy in you not clocking in, so to speak. Right. But many entrepreneurs have to set a realistic, organized schedule to be successful. Like the ones who don't have that usually are not people who are continuously successful. You have to set a, a schedule for yourself. You have to determine when you can. Now you can be off and on mm-hmm. and you can farm things out i don't suggest people overload themselves with all of those activities there are 
apps, there are services now that provide entrepreneurs with so many different things that you can, you know, give some of those activities away. And what you don't do best, you can farm out to somebody else or you can contract out to do. But there's real work involved in being an entrepreneur. And you're never totally working for yourself because your customers are your customer is your boss. Exactly. So you're always working for somebody because if you don't produce what they like, you no longer are going to be an entrepreneur. You'll be back in, you know, that particular thing. And some people, you know, you're going to be back in the the rat race with everybody else, so to speak. Yep. Um, What about the second element about... And I, you know, I just, my personal feeling about second jobs is I don't, I don't want to do one forever, right. but I respect the shit out of side hustles because I think that they can help you with so much financially. Mm-hmm. And the main thing is about that financial freedom element. Because right. if you can climb out of the debt, then, um, the hard work becomes a little easier. Right. Cause let's say you don't get the dream situation. Let's say you don't get the dream capital. You don't get the dream investor. You don't get the dream loan. But you were able to put that money to the side, and it helped you get your first whatever um, towards your financial, towards your being an entrepreneur, or just towards starting a savings account, mm-hmm. getting to a place where your your um, your assets outweigh your your know, liabilities, where you have an actual net worth. Right. You know, those things have happened because people have said, "Okay, I'll do a little bit of hard work now, so that I can enjoy." you know, life a little later. So, you know, sort of taking that, that part down. What do you think about the guy with the entire, like, um, don't do this, don't do that, you know, cause hard work is for suckers type thing because they will overwork you. Well, I mean, um, to a certain extent, I hear that, you know, like, you know, don't, don't overwork yourself. Um, for an employer, for an employer. Right. Because, you know, they are going to just replace you. That's just the reality. You know, there's a quote, you know, everybody's replaceable, even a success. So they're going to replace you. That's not, you know, an issue. So, yeah, I I understand curbing and watching how much you sort of sacrifice yourself for, you know, the employer. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, I think that, like, you do have to put like the second going back to the second job thing. You know, you do have to put some work into that. And and like if you if your goal is to get out of debt, like we said earlier, you do have to put some work in the only way to get out of it. Well, perhaps not the only way, but the the way that I know how is that you have to you have to find a way to make additional money and having a second job will help you do that. Um, But going back to the, you know, the whole don't do this, don't do that. Everybody's situation is different. I mean, what if you're in a situation where you're working a particular job and you really can't say no because overtime is part of the job? You have to do that. Mm. Um, Don't get that job, though. That's what I'm going to tell you right now. Don't don't get sucked into anything where overtime is part of the job. well, 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 my security job that I had, if somebody didn't come in... I had to work until it, it was shift work. Right. Exactly. So it's easy to talk that stuff when you ain't talk that junk, when you ain't, I'm in, that, talking <laughs> tough. You ain't in that situation. So, um, but do you, so, okay. So, and I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think, um, thing, but I want to say this though. The reality is there, while there are many people who have slid through the system and we all know those people, that's our job who definitely are folks who have slid through the system with, with doing the bare minimum. The bare minimum, just right. Just showing up. Just showing up. Um, we know that a large part of people that have been successful, and a large 
part of folks that have been successful is because they have worked their ass off to sort of get there. Exactly. And it isn't that you have to grind till you die and you don't get any sleep and you do everything for the company. I'm a huge advocate of using your leave. You shouldn't really have any available unless you have health issues or children that have health issues or you have kids and you want to preserve some of that time. Honestly, I'm not a huge preserver. I have just enough that you need it, but I'm not a, I, I, I am never impressed by people who leave work and they have all this leave like it depends on what you do mm-hmm. where if that leave is paid out in the premium however exactly. that's disappearing more and more from every field as far as the how they pay out leave mm-hmm. and also you can build that back up in the last few years my suggestion would be to make sure that you have a good amount mm-hmm. But that you don't stop with this uh, attendance award situation <laughs> where like you are perfect attendance at your job. I do believe in taking breaks. And part of that is a mental break, too. Mm. And that may mean that you're not going to be that person that's always doing everything. I don't believe in working for free over time, meaning that if you're doing something to prove to your bosses that you are capable of doing a larger job or getting paid more at a different position, I respect taking on the additional work. Mm -hmm. I do not, however, believe in doing someone else's job or another position for a prolonged period of time without a pay raise. So if you are doing the job of somebody who is in an executive position and you are taking on all these responsibilities that that executive job pays and you're not being paid that rate, you need to figure out what you want to do with yourself because you should not be doing that for free. Yeah. <laughs> but if you what so no, no I was just gonna say um, as far as leave is concerned I like the check <laughs> so, I mean and some people, yeah, if, I like if, the if that's the reason people get paid out leave differently right so like for instance in my job they don't pay out leave mm. um, um like they they will kind of force you to do something else they don't tend to pay out leave at the end of the year like that unless they have to right so it's a little bit different they pay it out once you retire. Mm-hmm. And it could be a large check. But like I said, you could make up some of that leave in the last couple of years. What I don't want to see is somebody with a 40-year history because you can only get so much leave paid Right. Out. There's no, a cutoff. No, but I'm saying like, you know, if, if you if you plan on, if you know you're going to be at the job for like a year or something like that, mm-hmm. maybe two years, having a little leave balance might not be that bad of an idea if they're going to pay it out. Yeah, and I said if a little bit of leave. going to pay it out, right. I said a little bit of leave, but I think the balance is whether or not, what are you, what are you risking for that? Like, mm-hmm. are you, are you the type of person that every other weekend you're complaining about not having enough time? Right. Are you yeah. somebody that's complaining about being stressed out at this job, but you never take a vacation? Right. I hate having conversations with people who have the ability to do that mm-hmm. and simply don't. And then you're conversing with their friends every week about how you don't get enough time. You don't get enough breaks. Leave the job. Um, you can, why am I not cursing? Leave the job. So, um, in that element, in that element, I understand it. Um, but I also don't believe that you're going to see a lot of people be highly successful if they just sit back and do nothing. Right. Because I know when I, when, in the times in my life, in my career, when I've put the work in, I've seen results. Mm. Then if I have just like sat back and sort of coasted, would you say that for yourself? Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I would, I would say that. I would definitely say that. Um, but man, I just, I don't know. It's just like for me. Okay. So I left the job one time. Mm-hmm. And I had like I think I had more than a hundred hours. Okay, that was a nice check. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree that leave can pay out well, but if you don't mind not taking a right. vacation ever, 
or not taking a break. Yeah, ever, I, no, 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 then no, great. no, no. I don't, Save I don't, all your no, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not co-signing not yeah, taking breaks. Like that not, payout right, that comes not, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not co-signing. I don't that. want people burned out. Yeah, because don't, you're don't, trying to, don't burn yourself out trying to save leave or anything. Yeah, like, like don't. That, I'm, I'm saying like take the necessary breaks. I'm not advocating having no leave. Yeah, I'm just saying that. Again, people do it because they're parents. People do that because they have illnesses or medical issues where they may constantly be hospitalized. Mm. They're, you know, if you if you end up becoming pregnant or something, you have to have enough leave for vacation and time off because we don't have a great policy in America for how we deal with women and pregnancy and families and pregnancy as much. So, um, and that is changing on a lot of landscapes. Mm-hmm. But you know, don't I just don't believe in burning yourself out like he said for these companies that you said right well will if you die tomorrow they're gonna replace they're you gonna replace they're gonna, they're they gonna got post a, your they job. got a business to run so. so you will be um and if you quit tomorrow yeah they will replace you yeah. so yep so all right so that's all the viral topics that we have today that is it thank you for kicking it with us on another this is our 10th show I, yeah, it is our time. It's one oh. This is like a big deal for us. So thank you so much. Don't forget to follow us on all social media. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Breaker, Google, Google Podcast, Spotify. Spotify. Like, check us out. Check us out on Instagram. Um, check yeah. us out on our website, seedlesswatermelonshow.com. Please go to that. Like we we did, we put a little bit of work into it. <laughs> Leave us an email. Tell us where you're from. Let us know you know where you're listening from and um. Hit us up on IG. We'll update our Facebook and get that together soon enough. But thank you for kicking it with us. Like, we appreciate y'all so much. The love that we have gotten so far has been incredible. We love what y'all are doing. And I know people have been writing us mm-hmm. about um, answering some financial questions. So we're thinking about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. If we choose to, mm-hmm. please understand we are not financial experts. We're not certified financial planners. We are giving our opinion. You should definitely check into all the right resources before you take any of this advice. We are not financial gurus. Yeah, so if you end up in court, you know. Blame Al. Blame me. All right, y'all. I'm out. I'm Tamika. We'll see y'all later. Bye. Just thinking back to the time when it was all good. The golden era.